It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, Dr. Rob Streisfeld, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com once again with another fabulous discussion, informative conversation, and uh, great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for everyone at Cannabis Radio for making this happen. Uh, Don't forget to share, like, do all those things you do with all the social media tools. And speaking of social media, one of my favorite people to follow on social media these days, uh, Twitter and so forth, is my guest today, coming back on to keep the conversation going in the best possible way, Kurt Robbins. Thanks for joining us. How you doing, buddy? Mr. Doc Rob, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yes. I mean, and it's true. I, I love to see what you post on your, well, thank on you. your social media. You have a lot of great content. Um, it's not propaganda. It's informative. And that's really the key here. Yeah. Um, we try to make it research-based, evidence-based, you know, all of those great keywords that were thrown around. But in reality, uh, we prefer to have uh, clinical studies involving humans to tell us whether these molecules are healthy or not. Uh, we don't always get that. They're expensive and uh, difficult to conduct. But, uh, but yeah, there's, well, let's face it, there's, I even did uh, a podcast recently and wrote an article about misinformation, because it is so rife within this emerging industry. You know, it really is. And I mean, with science, and this is, again, such a bigger, overarching topic in our society these days, you know, it's okay to say, we don't know. It's okay to say we're still working, researching it. It's still, it's also okay to change Absolutely. your understanding as things progress. And I say this specifically, for example, I've always said this about grapeseed oil, that I was never a fan of grapeseed oil as a, as a, as a food ingredient and I kept saying, why are you not for grapeseed oil? I said, well, I'm an anthropologist. So I like to see where it was used in cultural you know, relevance or history. How did man use this compound or this ingredient before? And I never really found a grapeseed oil in recipes or cultures. And then I met a guy who was a grapeseed oil expert. And he said, it's only because of technology to crush those little grape seeds into a functional usable product oil wasn't available until more recently. I said, you know what? Right. That makes sense to me. I can change my tune a bit. I mean, olive pits and seeds are much bigger than grape seeds and pits. So I get why you have olive oil. So I think um, you bring up a good point is that technology progresses, right? Think of life 200 years ago, especially on the medical and health side. Think about it today. So, you know, the reality for our grandparents is not the reality for our children. Uh, And, uh, you know, I know I realize a lot of people get rather technophobic or don't like being mired in technicality and scientific speak, right? But uh, we, we really need to uh, embrace that approach or we're just going to keep swimming around in misinformation and propaganda. And we've had a century of that, right, from the government. And, and the term experts is something that I don't like to even you know, use for myself in any category. You know, I was doing a, a talk and I'm, you know, doing a few more coming up. I'm, I'm excited to you know that I'm speaking at She Southern Hemp Expo in Raleigh over Labor Day weekend. I'm very excited to participate. Oh, you're a rock in that star. Event. You get around, dude. I, I I love to share the good information just like you do. I just, you know, sometimes get out there on stage and I love that the feedback from the audience, if there is such a thing, if there is an audience um, in, in these days and 
times. But you know, one of the things I did in my research was I, you know, I love nutrition, I love good health, I love eating well, um, and I looked at nutrients and vitamins, and I realized that research and the scientific community only really identified them and 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 labeled them in the early 1900s. The last vitamin was done uh, was was identified a B, one of the B vitamins in like 1941, 1942. So we're not talking about hundreds and thousands of years of understanding of nutrients or nutritional right. value or RDAs or any of these things. We're still learning as we go, and I think that's going to apply, and it does apply for me in with phytocannabinoids. I find them as another right. class of vitamins. Um, and I think the more we learn about them, the more we study them, the more we understand this yeah. plant as a whole, it's going to hopefully open our minds to healing in a different way. And it's unfortunate that the human, that Homo sapiens have such big egos even right. collectively because ignorance is a great excuse to go out and find reality and do some research, right? Of course. It's a, it's pretty amazing that the, the natural instinct of, of animals compared to our egocentric uh, uh, disregard for instinct sometimes as, as predominated of late. And, uh, right. Uh, and in the case of cannabis and these, you know, terpenes and cannabinoids and flavonoids and these health molecules contained therein, uh, we need to remember that all of this, as you were alluding to, Doc Rob, these things, these elements have been discovered fairly recently. In fact, what's kind of mind blowing is that the endocannabinoid system in every single human and every single mammal in some form in vertebrates, all vertebrates, this is like a yeah. large portion of life on earth. Uh, that system, at least within humans, was only discovered in the 1990s within yeah. most of our lifetimes. So uh, we are extremely ignorant and uh, we need to pour billions, tens of billions of dollars into clinical trials and other forms of research. And we're getting there right but uh oh, yeah. you know it's gonna take a while well I'm, I'm hoping and this is what i'm working one of the things i'm working on is setting up my own little research center in new york in the catskills and we're doing some raising capital and we're doing some structuring up that but i did a little bit of my own little pilot research study on on hemp, cool. some hemp varieties and i looked at yeah. you know we talked about this some of the micronutrients some of the flavonoids that are in these plants that people aren't even discussing and right. let's even take a step back i think one of the things you always talk about on in your social media that you post a lot about is like the terpene of the day of sorts you know what is uh you know is it terpene tuesdays or something of that nature but you know i think people are still learning what the word terpene is let alone you know to well, understand exactly. when they're when they're buying or purchasing their cannabis from a dispensary or otherwise what the terpene uh you know makeup or spectrum on these products how they affect and how they differentiate your your, your response to the plant it's pretty amazing right in fact, there was a, the largest consumer cannabis consumer survey to date involved 20,000 Americans in every single state and uh, D.C. Uh, this was about a year ago that they published this uh, company out of L.A. And anyway, to your point, they showed that 75 percent of the respondents were completely unfamiliar with terms like terpene, endocannabinoid system and entourage effect. Right. So there you go. There's some proof. There's some accurate metrics that show that uh, this emerging industry uh, that used to be a culture and is going through some very strange changes uh, is extremely ignorant of these underpinnings that we're discussing, right? Flavonoids, terpenes, cannabinoids, majors and minors and biphasic response curves and all this complexity that wellness professionals like you, hey, you know it like the back of your hand, uh, but you're exceptional. Most medical and wellness professionals uh, don't know it like the back of their hand by far. And unfortunately, it's often due to stigma and bias and bigotry 
because they think it's uh, territory that's not respectable or they don't want to go there. Yeah, no, I think that there's uh, obviously with the federal government and some of the recent bills by Congress, there's definitely change on the horizon. There's been change over the last several decades. I kind of you know giggle because, like you said, it's it's where you're coming from sometimes, uh, your familiarity. If you're living in the industry, if you're at all the trade shows, if you're on all the sites, if you're in the in the midst of it all, some of these terms start to become um, everyday familiar. But if you step out of your bubble and you go out into more of a mainstream or you know, uh, uh, non-familiar uh, Absolutely. Co- you know, consumer or even patient for that, or even, like I said, health practitioner, they're, they're often very clueless. And I, and I giggle That's again right. because this same, from my history, uh, being in over 20 years in natural products, dietary supplements, my, my career really started with gut health and a lot of that with introducing probiotics. And that was only in the early 2000s that I was going around the country teaching people what the word probiotic meant. Um, and it was pretty shocking how little uh, people even had heard of that or knew what it meant back then. And now it seems like over you know, in the last 20 years, everyone seems to at least have some familiarity what probiotics are and what they're good right. for. I can only hope that the same will apply as we continue to educate yeah. the masses on these cannabinoids and other plants. I find it compounds. very ironic from an institutional perspective, at least in the United States, from a corporate perspective, we talk a lot about training and education and that's a business I'm in, right? With Higher right. Learning LV. So it's obviously near and dear to, to my heart and my mission and my value set. Uh, but when it comes to our personal lives, and this is understandable, but we often just want to unplug after work and, uh, you know, grab our favorite beverage or joint and watch Netflix and not educate ourselves. So we were kind of this interesting dichotomy in this country of preaching and theoretically advocating training and education, but then in our personal lives, we get a little lazy sometimes, right? So uh, I think as educators and proponents of science-based, evidence-based education, we, uh, we really need to uh, think about the perspective of the audience, like you're saying, because we start, get, I, I make this mistake all the time. I jump into the details of terpenes and flavonoids and wait a second, the audience, especially if it's outside of the cannabis realm, they don't even know what these terms are. What the heck are you talking about, dude? Right. Oh, yeah. So in a way, we kind of need a 101 education. We just people need to first we need to define the terms. What the heck is a flavonoid or a terpene? And then, you know, because it's an iterative approach. That's how instructional design works. Well, there's definitely going to be a, a long journey ahead of us. And I agree with you. There's some confusion in the basic terminology within the industry, and that's going to need to be resolved before we can really get a lot of traction outside of the industry with this, uh, you know, the benefits and, and the attributes of these plants. Um, right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back after this message where I'm, as always, enjoying the conversation with Kurt Robbins, High Learning LV, one of the best educator resources, technical writers in the industry. Don't go anywhere. We have a lot more to cover. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. 
Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back. And as I said before the break, this is really a great conversation with Kurt Robbins from High Learning LV. And Kurt, you know, one of the things, let's, let's jump into some of these compounds a little bit, some of these terms that we're referring to in general. And so um, right off the bat, one of the, one of the biggest things in conversation in the industry right now and even outside legislatively is D8. Delta eight, Delta and, um, eight, and this is becoming, you know, for me, you know, everyone has their opinions, like many other things, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, as always, on the fence. I kind of see all sides <laughs> of the conversation and different. Which is good. Objectivity is a valuable tool, so yeah. keep it up. But, but what, what are you? What's your? Let's, let's let's just give a quick overview of what Delta eight is, if you don't mind, yeah. and then and then kind of how this is playing out a little bit from your perspective. Well, there's a lot of layers to the Delta 8 issue. There's political and legal and, you know, there's the biochemistry that you and I, people like us are constantly talking about. Uh, And biochemically, Delta 8 is an isomer, sometimes called an analog. You'll see the word isomer in a lot of research studies uh, of Delta 9. And what this means is they are almost identical molecules. There's just this carbon atom that is at a different location. Uh, it's not that one has it and the other one doesn't. No, they're, they're almost identical, as I'm saying, but just the location of that carbon atom. Uh, anyway, but this changes what's called the binding affinity of that molecule when it gets into our body and gets into the endocannabinoid system and hooks up with these CB1 and these CB2 receptors and the ECS. And so its behavior does change a little. So these are we don't have clinical studies on this yet. Okay. So most of what I'm going to say regarding efficacy is anecdotal and, but, you know, I try to talk to people like you, right. Professional uh, health and wellness people who understand what's going on and don't necessarily buy into the hype. Uh, So Delta eight delivers roughly 50 to 75% of the psychoactivity of Delta nine. And one of the reasons that wellness professionals throughout North America are interested in Delta-8 is because they believe that it might uh, decrease or prevent some of the negative side effects of Delta-9 THC, which include increased anxiety and panic attacks. And these are bad things, right? And none of us in this industry like to talk about the bad things things with cannabis, right? It's all good. It's a panacea. It's a miracle drug. Uh, And we know that that's just not true. Uh, So there are some uh, organizations and thought leaders who are saying, hey, Delta-8 might help us uh, reduce our consumption of Delta-9 through tolerance breaks, right? Because the irony of a tolerance break, as you well know, is I'm a pain patient. If I'm in I'm, this is theoretical, I'm not a pain patient, but a pain patient who is suffering 24 hour seven, okay, they're not consuming recreationally, but they build up this huge tolerance to Delta nine. Now it's costing them a lot of money. You know, cannabis is not inexpensive, especially in licensed dispensaries. Right. And so decreasing their tolerance is a very, very positive thing for multiple reasons. Delta eight may play a role in helping us uh, decrease tolerance to Delta nine. So during your tolerance break, you're not consuming Delta nine, but you're consuming Delta eight. 
And so far, what I've heard is that, you know, you got to ask yourself, okay, well, while you're consuming Delta-8, the molecules are so similar, would you truly decrease your tolerance to Delta-9? So far, the anecdotal reports say yes, that they've achieved success with that. And, and a lot of people have tried that, uh, the, the Delta-9, you know, kind of break using CBD up to this point mm-hmm. uh, and, and the balance between the dance between the Correct. Delta-9, the THC and the CBD. But I think what we were, so on the medical side, we see that potential, but on the more on the legal or regulatory side, I think that what people are misunderstanding is that people are taking hemp variety of, of cannabis. So low THC by, by definition, low Delta-9, Correct. less than you know, 3%. Yeah. To be, to be called hemp, it, it, yeah, it has almost no THC. So, right. right. And then they're converting it They're you know, they're doing it chemically or they're altering the Excellent structure point. and yes. that becomes the Delta eight. So this is where it's becoming now, where does that fit in the legal, you know, right. Paradigms. It gets, of, it gets you know, a guess. little complicated. Okay. Right. Here's what the feds say through the DEA. Uh, this is not the FDA, this is not Health and Human Services, or, you know, it's complicated, right? But the Drug Enforcement Agency says explicitly, go check it out on their website, any isomer analog of Delta-9. So Delta-27, we don't care, it's illegal, right? At the federal level, it's illegal. Now, here's what's going on at the state level in these pocketed markets, you know, like uh, Washington State and Oregon and, and Colorado is these adult use legal states, the Delta 9 companies have spent a lot of money, they've lobbied for years, they've worked really hard to establish their positions, right? And here's this new kid on the block, Delta 8, coming in and eating into their pie, Yep. into their profit pie and they're like nah we're not going to do this so if they do have a successful business and a good cash flow they can afford to lobby their state governments and a lot of these states are passing uh prohibition laws against delta eight allowing delta nine so in a way metaphorically it's the delta nine posse saying get out of here delta eight right. this is all ours and this is this has been happening in other areas even when it comes to the hemp growers for CBD in states where you know people fought for licenses to get you know marijuana licenses or, or or THC licenses. So this is going to go on and keep going on, and I think that we don't have an answer today. The idea is that this is just more challenge to uh, clarifying laws and regulations around this plant on both a state and federal level, and hopefully. You know, the federal government will come in and step in shortly or do something to to kind of open up both a regulatory path uh, with the right. FDA on CBD, but also how to address these other. Um... There's there's a lot of perspectives here. For example, a colleague of mine, David Rines and of the Marijuana Business Association in Seattle, uh, he says, and he's pretty smart at this stuff, that where you see Delta 9 being successful, well, it's the states that still prohibit Delta, or Delta 8 rather, where you see Delta 8 being successful is where Delta 9 is prohibited. And people are mostly going online, whether this is legal or not, that's a totally different issue. And they're ordering and procuring some of these Delta 8 vape carts is typically the form. Other times there are joints, What's happened there is they had hemp that was rotting and they wanted to sell it. So they took that hemp, they turned it into a pre-roll and they sprayed it with some Delta-8. Yeah. Now, whether that's your cup of tea or not, I'm just saying that's that's how the Delta-8 is getting out there. I think you bring up a really good point, uh, Doc Rob, that the vast majority of the Delta-8 on the market right now has been obtained from hemp and not cannabis. And that is a very important legal distinction because that's why a lot of people are saying, 
Delta eight is legal. Well, right. at the state level, it depends. Okay. Yes. It just, sometimes it's legal. Sometimes it's not. And then back at in the your federal level, it's not legal, right. and, and but then, they're claiming it's legal because of the hemp bill of 2018 and it gets complicated. Yeah. It's right? a lot of gray area. And again, and back in your neighborhood in Vegas, they just had a champ show and I heard there was a bunch of raids and that's true. Uh, crackdown around the Delta eight issue. So know where you're at, what states you're in, what yep. the laws are currently, they may be changing, you know, consistently but you have to pay attention what you think might be legal or being advocated for online or in one area may not be legal in where you're at so yeah these uh, here in super progressive super uh you know let's go party las vegas yeah at the champ show last week uh there were undercover fbi and dea and the mistake was that some of the vendors gave out free delta eight yeah. uh, samples and that's what got them Oh, sure. There's always going to be something got to be careful. And we do the same thing going back from dietary supplements, even though they say it's not FDA approved products. There's still a lot of regulatory standards and compliance based on from your labels to your websites, to your product quality. Everything is there uh, to help be safe for the consumer. And we have to make sure that stays in, in as a priority for sure, no matter what kind of form of the plant you're consuming. Right. But, uh, now, this is a, this is going to be an ongoing matter. And I think it's interesting. Uh, for me, I still like looking back at the whole plant and uh, some of the compounds that are naturally occurring in the plant, maybe even in small amounts, but right. uh, still having a significant impact or potential impact. And, well, a lot and more- also, you know, this is 2021. We can mass produce these molecules. We don't have to find, you know, if it's only half of a percent of the volume of, you know, the trichomes on a certain plant, that's okay. We have, you know, modern manufacturing. That's where we're getting all this Delta eight, as we just said, right? Yep. We're getting it. We're converting it from CBD. This is what people don't know. We're converting it from CBD or a couple other cannabinoids that are conveniently reconfigured to turn them into Delta-8. So uh, we do some magical things with chemistry and have for a century or two in this country and around the world. So, uh, so you know, just because now I know there's people who advocate for whole plant and full spectrum, and I, quite frankly, am one of them because I think As science I. supports it. Yep. Okay, isolates do have a role, but it's, it's very limited. Uh, and there's so much value in, in the broad spectrum, but more so the, the full spectrum, right? Uh, and the natural uh, way that this plant evolved with Homo sapiens and is supposed to interact in our body. Now, that said, I, I like as many tools in my toolbox as possible. I don't know about other people, but so I look at things like Delta-8 and these flavonoids that we're starting to discover. They're just more tools in the toolbox because what are we trying to achieve? Well, yeah, we want to be successful and profitable businesses and such, but in the end, our true goal is human health and wellness. At least it should be. Amen. You know, it's not always with some companies. Some people put profit over the people, but not where I stand and not what I stand for. And I know you're in the same boat. So we want to keep uh, hoping everyone yeah. feels better, lives better, and learns more to do so. Um, we're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back with Kurt Robbins. I want to hear what you've got going on. I know you're always up to something interesting. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for Better Living here at Cannabis Radio. The concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on cannabisradio.com. All right, all right, all right. We are back, wrapping up our last segment today with Kurt Robbins from Higher Learning LV. And yeah, while we're talking about things that are happening out there in the industry, what's happening with you? What's latest with Higher Learning? What do you got going on? And what should people, uh, you know, be up to checking out? Well, it's exciting. Uh, Higher Learning LV has been in the building and the strategy phase for about two years now. Uh, uh, we took it really seriously, and and we have a really complex business plan. Of course, any decent business plan is complex, right? Uh, because it's a dynamic marketplace. And so right now we're building up uh, our free learning repository. Soon it will be the largest ad-free cannabis learning repository in the world. Uh, and quite honestly, that's not that tough because most of them have ads. Now here's the problem, when you get ads, it changes, right? It changes your content. You start looking at that money flow and, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of a centrist, but I think that Jesse Ventura was right. Follow the money. So right. I've made a decision that I'm going to go ad free so people can trust. We were talking about the issue of trust between consumers and information propagators like ourselves and educators. Well, trust is not easily obtained, especially in this age of fake news and everything. Thing, right. So that's why I've made the decision to go ad free. Uh, my first seminars and courses will start rolling out in the months of August and September. Uh, and after that, uh, gosh, by November, we'll have 14 different offerings, nine courses and five seminars. Uh, and we'll be covering all those topics that you and I have been discussing. And it's 100 percent research based. And I insist on that because otherwise it's just uh, you know, you and I both heard some crazy stories from otherwise sincere, honest, nice cannabis consumers and patients. But yep. sometimes even our, in, with all our experience, our interpretations of the situation or the efficacy of certain molecules is subject to contortion and subjective interpretation. And this is why we pay millions of dollars for clinical studies. So I like to dip into those studies regardless of the form of research. And so all the training I create is completely research-based. If we can't back it up with a link to a research study, we don't do it. I love it. I love it. And I think, again, that's why I wanted to have you back on and, and, and let people know that because there's a lot of people out there looking for good content, good information, ways to learn more about the endocannabinoid system, about these compounds. And I definitely refer them to you. I really appreciate you're putting it. together over there. There's a bunch of great sources out there, but you're definitely leading that charge uh, and, and taking it from a very personal perspective in that sense, which I think is different than a corporate perspective. Uh, you put yourself into this each and every day. And I, again, I want to give you that shout out for doing it. It's awesome. Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate it. Well, like, like they say, rising tide lifts all ships, right? So we'll try to embrace that uh, vibe. 
Exactly. We've got to help each other out here. That's what this whole show is about is better living. We work together for a better today than yesterday and hope that we all have a better tomorrow than today. And that's all I can ever, you know, strive for. Um, it's interesting. I just want to get over some of these terms. I want to jump back to while we have another couple of minutes before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, so I was at a converse, a conference not too long ago and, and someone started talking about cannabinoids and other plants outside of cannabis. And Nope. I mean, again, this has become the technical language thing in my mind. And I kind of say, look, there are compounds and other plants that can interact with the receptors in the endocannabinoid system that can have an effect on your endocannabinoid system tone. And they act similar Correct. to the cannabinoids found in cannabis. Right. And I call them cannabinoid mimetics. You know, they mirror the effects of cannabinoids, but they are not like beta caryophylline, the terpene. Exactly. It's the only are, terpene to bind with the CB2 receptors, just like CBD. Right. And in black pepper and, and mm -hmm. other plants, we find these other compounds, but they are not, in my opinion, and I'll, you know. A terpene is not a cannabinoid. That's why we call it a terpene. Right. And so even though they, so these health professionals and other experts, and I put that in air quotes, that are talking about <laughs> other cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids found in other plants outside of the cannabis plant, no. I, I have to kind of throw that hand up and say um this is defined as cannabinoid mimetics not a necessarily phytocannabinoid and i just wanted to see what your thoughts are on that and if you heard that pop up a bit in in the in the, in the nomenclature in the conversations these days yeah they're called cannabinoids because they're produced by the cannabis plant and science has a very strict approach to all of that as you and i know so uh i would i would say no cannabinoids are produced only by hemp slash cannabis slash marijuana uh, right. ganja whatever you want to call it <laughs> right uh that plant species those cannabinoids are exclusive to it now what's interesting is terpenes are the exact opposite there's not a single terpene that is exclusive to the cannabis plant. Now there's about 200 of them programmed into the cannabis genome. They don't all express in an individual or a particular chemotype or cultivar, but there are 200 programmed in there. And I think when you contrast the global situation with terpenes and how they appear in nature with that of cannabinoids, you get a much clearer view of this. Now, if you really want to drop some science here, you look at flavonoids. Guess oh, no, what? no, They're no, like, no. That, that's one of my secret sauces, the special flavonoids only found in cannabis. And uh, <laughs> I, I love that area and more. We're going to we're going to talk more about that. We're going to say that for another conversation because we're running out of time. <laughs> but yes, I love that teaser because it's true. There are some very unique compounds found in this cannabis plant that really resonate with our receptors in our body. Some similar type compounds and other plants out there in nature are there to help us along the way. Uh, terpenes are found all over the place and we should embrace them uh, from essential oils. They're and, the most, one of the most common types of molecules on the face of the earth. I've seen research studies that said they are the most common type. Exactly. And so there's so much more to learn. Please, everyone tuning in, check out High Learning LV. Uh, follow Thank you. Kurt's, uh, you know, all his wonderful, you know, platforms on I got social five media Twitter accounts now well, i was yeah, gonna say I, I don't know how many out. you got now but definitely and again if you have any questions check out you know send me a message at doc rob either on twitter or doc rob's on instagram or anywhere you want to message me and i'll connect you with kurt's uh screen names and profiles if that's necessary but we'll have some links at the end of the show and again thanks kurt for coming on today talking a little bit about thanks Rob. i really appreciate plant. the opportunity to educate listeners it's uh, right. it's a real honor it's a great hearing your voice again and uh, hope we catch you in person again soon too once uh, all this hoo-ha gets out of the way. Uh, <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, everyone out there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for making this happen. And as always, wishing everyone all the best in health and happiness. 
Bye, Teachers. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.